This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, Episode 167, Don't Worry, Retire Happy, with Tom Hegna. Traditional financial planning is no longer working. And in the new normal economy, your host, certified financial planner Mark Willis, invites you to join us as we engage the new and improved steps for establishing financial sanity. Be curious, be stable, be sane. This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. Nobody knows retirement income planning better than the financial expert, author, and speaker, Tom Hegna. If you've never heard of him before, I'm not sure where you've been. This guy is all over the place. As former vice president of New York Life, he's dominated the main platform of all the biggest stages in the retirement and financial planning industry wielding an unsurpassable expertise and boasting a record of over 2,000 seminars, 3,000 training sessions. This guy is everywhere. Tom's words have helped countless millions of baby boomers and retirees build a better, safer, and happier environment. And you, I know, are going to have a great time listening to his insights and wisdom. So I'll just let you listen to Tom first. I have a few takeaways, so please stay through to the takeaway section at the end of this episode. There's an incredible example or two where we walk through real-life examples of what Tom describes in his interview. So I'll let Tom take it first and then wait for the end for some of those powerful numbers that I can't wait to share with you all. Take it away, Tom. Tom, welcome to the show. Great to be with you, Mark. Tom, I'm uh, very interested in your background, and you've got a lot of, I think, insights that our audience is going to be just jaw-dropped to learn more about what's happening in our country today and what's possible with personal retirement strategies today. But start us off with your childhood. You grew up in Minnesota, if I'm not mistaken, just up the street from us here in Chicago. What did you remember first when you think back to, when you think back to your first memories with money? Both my parents were teachers in a small town, and so teachers in a small town don't make a lot of money. But they used to give me allowance. I think it started out at either a dime or quarter a week, and I'd have to do chores. And I then I could get that quarter or whatever, and I could go down and buy some things for me. I was taught at a young age to save. I was taught at a young age to give. I should give 10%. You should save at least 10. Now I'd say 15 or 20% you should save, and then you can spend the rest. And so that's how I grew up. And I was very entrepreneurial. I sold seeds door to door as a kid. I sold Waterama buttons. We had this big festival, Waterama. And then if they buy a button, they could be entered in to win a car, a drawing for a car. And I was a paper boy. I, I had a checking account by the time I was 10. I was making some decent money as a paper boy. And so I was always an entrepreneurial. I mowed lawns, I shoveled snow, I trimmed hedges. That's how I made my money as a kid. Tell me about how money played a part in developing your philosophy toward life. As I said, I've always been a saver. Some people are spenders. I've always been a saver. So I think almost my entire life I've saved between 20 and probably 35 or 40% of my income for the last 30 or 40 years. So when you do that, then all of a sudden you can get to retirement and you can actually have a lot of fun. And I'm, I'm semi-retired now and I'm enjoying playing golf. I won my club championship this summer, which is just a beyond my wildest awesome. dreams. I was trying to win the senior club championship, but I won the club championship and I'm doing a lot of fun things that I've always wanted to do. And I have that ability because I was disciplined in saving regularly. And you are not so average, which makes you an honorary revolutionary around here on our show. Uh, It's not so average to be a big time saver. 
when everyone else around you uh, is trying to keep up with the Joneses and in debt up to their eyeballs. So way to go. What do you see as you look across the landscape of our country today? Uh, What's working? What's not working in 2020 and beyond when it comes to people's savings rates and their preparedness for this big thing called retirement? In general, people have not saved enough, but now with this COVID, some of the stats coming out are that the savings has increased a lot, which is good. I think we learned from this whole COVID thing that you need an emergency fund of more than three months. You maybe need two years of an emergency fund saved up. And so I think there, there's some lessons to be learned. The stock market is crazy right now. It makes not a lot of sense, but it does, I guess, that the Fed is pumping all these trillions of dollars in there. You know, at some point, there will be a day of reckoning, the reckoning of the debt and the reckoning of there are going to be, have to be higher taxes and reduce government spending. And, and those things are going to really strangle the economy and uh, I think could cause the market serious problems. I don't know when that's going to happen. It's a math problem. It's not a Republican or Democrat problem. We need a math party. We need a party yeah. that can actually <laughs> add and subtract because they're not adding and subtracting right now in this debt. And then the $200 trillion of unfunded obligation for Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, government pensions, military pensions. The, the finances are so out of whack. And the government doesn't have to pay it all off tomorrow. But what they got to do is stop growing the debt and then put it on a 100-year plan. We're going to pay this debt off over 100 years. That is something I think that the American people could get behind, but there's going to be some pain. There's going to be a lot of pain at some point in the future. I don't know when. Man, that's such a statement, right? $200 trillion of unfunded obligations. Say yeah. some more about that. They've made promises for Social Security. They made promises for Medicare, Medicaid. People are worried about Social Security. Social Security is not a problem. I could fix Social Security in less than 15 minutes for the next 100 years. We're going to have to raise the retirement age, not on you, but on your kids. My dad got it 65. I don't get it till I'm 67. My 18-year-old shouldn't get it till she's 69 or 70. Her kids shouldn't get it till they're 73. 70. We're going to have to raise the retirement age. We're going to have to raise some more taxes. Like right now, we only uh, pay Social Security up to 136000 or whatever. I might have to go up to 200000 or two hundred. Twenty thousand. I don't know. Um, but they're going to have to raise taxes. They're going to have to raise retirement age. But Social Security is not the problem. It's Medicare and Medicaid that's the problem. Uh, those things are so far out of control. I don't know how they're going to ever fix that. I can mm. fix Social Security very easily. I could not fix Medicare and Medicaid very easily. That is the problem. Almost all of our financial problems in this country have to do with health care, not Social Security. Fascinating. You're right. We're all living longer lives, but we are also living more expensive in our golden years. You've become a real expert in retirement, and that word means different things to different people. One, I'm curious what that word means for Tom. And two, what are some ways we can prepare ourselves for that best chapter in our life from your perspective? Yeah, and I've written five books on retirement. I've had a PBS TV special, Don't Worry, Retire Happy, that's played in 80 million homes in the U.S. and Canada. Retirement is different for everybody. For me, it means financial independence. It means I can do whatever I want, whenever I want, for whatever reason I want. And I am going to retire. I said, how can the guy who wrote the book, Don't Worry, Retire Happy, not retire and not be happy? So I took last summer off. I did a trial retirement, joined a country club up here in Flagstaff, Arizona, where it's a lot cooler than Phoenix, play golf almost every day. I'm doing it again this year and really enjoy that. And, and we want to go travel once we can start traveling and do those things. I lost my dad last year. I lost my best golfing buddy at age 56. And you figure 
you learn that this isn't a forever deal. Like you only have so much time. And I, I always tell people in my seminars, two things. Number one, you're not getting any younger. Number two, you don't get to take any of it with you. And if people would just reflect on that, you're not getting any younger. You don't get to take any of it with you. The thing is you want to spend it, but the, the thing is you can't run out of money. So how can you spend the most without running out of money ever? You got to use some form of annuities to do that. You know, annuities play a key role in my own personal retirement. I've also been shifting a lot more of my assets into Roth IRAs and, and cash value life insurance because I think the tax hit that's going to come is going to be huge. And when that happens, the market's going to crash. So what are people going to do when their portfolio is, is at 50 or 30% of what it is today and all of a sudden their taxes double or triple? What's going to happen to people? See, I'm going to be protected and, I, and I'm trying to encourage other people to protect at least a portion of their portfolio from that scenario. And it's going to happen. I can guarantee it. It's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Like you said, uh, the reality of our situation comes down to a four-letter word. M-A-T-H, math. There's yeah. no other way around it. So yeah. you brought up some financial products that are not so average for a lot of listeners. Many people have the 401k. Many people have heard of a Roth IRA. Tell us more about what the retirement expert yourself is doing to prepare for this phase of life. So, so why annuities? What does that do? What are you seeing as you're looking at your own portfolio to prepare for this possibly difficult future we have as a country? And um, yeah, so- what are you doing for your retirement? So the way I look at it, I have enough money to retire right now. So if I have enough money to retire right now, what's the stupidest thing I could do? Lose my money. That'd be the stupidest thing I can do. So I don't think I'm any different than any of your listeners. You know what I want to do with my money? I want to make as much as I can make. If I can make 10%, 20%, 30%, 40%, I want to make as much as I can make. But just as important, maybe more important, I don't want to lose what I've already got. Guess what? Vanguard can't do that for me. Fidelity can't do that for me. Mr. Ken Fisher cannot do that for me, but annuities can do that for me. I, I own 11 annuities. Now, I don't sell product. I don't care if people buy them or not. I, but if these were bad products, I would own zero of them, okay? I own 11. So let me explain why. First of all, I own three variable annuities. Now, those are the so-called bad ones with the high fees. Why would I own those? Last year, there were hundreds of variable annuity sub-accounts that were up over 20 and 30% after fees. From my perspective, that's fine. If I can earn 20 or 30% in a bull market, I'm fine with that because when the market crashes, guess what? I don't lose all my money. They've got guarantees. They either have an income guarantee or a withdrawal benefit guarantee. Some have a cash value guarantee. They almost all have a death benefit guarantee. So there's guarantees in that product that I'm not going to lose my money. So I can make as much as I can make, but I'm not going to lose what I've already got. That's very important to me. I also own several fixed indexed annuities. Now, why would I own fixed indexed annuities? There's a really smart guy out there, um, Roger Ibbotson. You can look him up. He's a PhD. And he studied fixed indexed annuities versus bonds. And he found that fixed indexed annuities had done a much better job of providing income in a portfolio than bonds. So even if a person simply moved their bond portfolio into a fixed index annuity or even an income annuity, their portfolio will do better. And then I own six or seven income annuities. Now, why do I own income annuities? Because retirement's all about income. It's not about assets. Most people, if you think about it, they don't overspend, they underspend. They live what I call they're living a just-in-case retirement. They don't touch their money. They don't touch their money. They don't touch money. I used to bust my clients. I'd say, wait a minute now. You tell me when you're retired, you're going to join the country club. You're going to buy a new boat. You're going to see the world. Have you done that yet? And they say, no, we haven't done it because uh, interest rates are so low. The market's so volatile. So they keep living this just-in-case retirement. Well, then they die. 
What happens to money? It goes to the kids. What do the kids do with it? They join the country club. They buy a new boat. They see the world. And I try to just make it so clear to people, you are supposed to spend your money. You're supposed to spend every last nickel of your money. You, the last check you ought to write, I'd go to the undertaker and that baby ought to bounce, okay? I want people to spend their money. I don't want them to leave any money to their kids. I want them to leave life insurance to their kids because you can do that for pennies on the dollar. So buy a policy, go to your kids, and now spend the rest of your money. And how are you ever going to know how much money you can take out safely, no matter what the market's doing, if you don't have some annuities? And I'm not saying put all your money in annuities, but I'm saying 20 to 40% of a portfolio, all the research from the PhDs, I'm, these aren't my opinions, these are facts that you're supposed to put 20 to 40% of your portfolio into some type of income annuity. And if you did that, you can actually take a little more risk with some of your other investments. I'm not opposed to investments. I'm not opposed to real estate, but they cannot substitute for guaranteed lifetime income that you can get from an annuity. They just can't. You brought up in a, a book you've written and maybe a recent interview I heard that you can see an annuity sort of like a triple A bond in terms of financial strength and security, but a triple B bond in terms of yield. Can you explain what you mean, triple C. mean by that? Yeah. Yeah. I say an income annuity, the way it functions inside of a portfolio, it functions like a triple A rated bond with a triple C rated yield with zero standard deviation. So when I get doubters, people say, oh, I don't like annuities. Ken Fisher hates annuities. Oh, we hate annuities. I say, okay, then just prove me wrong. If, if you don't believe in it, just prove me wrong. Here's all you got to do. Build a portfolio you think I cannot beat. Yeah, put all the good stocks in there. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to reach in that portfolio. I'm going to replace your bonds. I'm going to replace it with a, a lifetime income annuity. Do you know what that will do to every single portfolio? It'll lower the risk and increase the returns. And it comes back to the way that income annuity functions inside of a portfolio. It functions like a AAA rated bond that check comes every single month for the rest of your life with a triple C rated yield because the, the payout is very high because you don't just get principal and interest. You also get these mortality credits that people don't even know about. That's the secret sauce of guaranteed lifetime income with zero standard deviation, which means it doesn't fluctuate, can't go up and down. So you get this check every single month and uh, it, it will outperform any portfolio that's a normal stock and bond portfolio. If it was stock and income annuity portfolio, that will do better than a stock and bond portfolio. It's just math again. I don't have an opinion on it. It's just anybody who tries to retire without an income annuity is going to retire suboptimally. It doesn't mean it's bad. It means it's less than what it could or what it should be. And again, these are facts. These aren't opinions. And, and Sure. Yeah. That's what well, I do every day is I try to help people retire happy and successful. You brought up a few folks that are not crazy fans of annuities and you're trying to shine a light on some of the darkness, but I've heard that some of those statements, I hate annuities, I'd rather die and go to hell than sell an annuity. Here's my theory here. I think the folks that say that actually love annuities. And here's what I mean. They see you and me as their annuity. What is an asset center management fee? It's a regular stream of income for the investment advisor. What else is an income stream for life? Oh yeah, annuities. You know, I actually had the privilege of walking through a museum here in Chicago where we live, the Ancient Oriental Institute. And along the wall, right next to a replica of the Rosetta Stone, Tom, there was a 25 foot long parchment paper. It was an annuity contract from 300 BC, somewhere in Egypt. Yeah. Isn't that, so if it's such a bad deal, how have they lasted so long? And I have one other question too, which is why have they lasted so long and why is it such a secret? Why is this so uh, unknown to typical folks? Look, the reason it's unknown is that income annuities are, are pay, a, pay a pretty low compensation to the advisor. So there aren't a lot of advisors that are 
out there recommending income annuities. They're recommending other types of annuities, but not income annuities because they can't make much money on them. But all the research, when you read the PhDs, Dr. David Babel, Dr. Moshe Malewski, Dr. Menachem Yari, Dr. Robert C. Martin, Dr. Michael Finka, Dr. Wade File, these are people who've studied retirement all around the world. It all comes down to some very simple steps. You need to cover your basic living expenses and retirement with guaranteed lifetime income. Now, there's only three sources of guaranteed lifetime income. Social Security, which is a lifetime income annuity. Pension, which is a lifetime income annuity. And whatever you're short there, you're supposed to go out and buy a lifetime income annuity. And I don't really care what flavor somebody buys. If they buy a, a single premium media annuity, a SPIA, or a deferred income annuity, a DIA, or an income or withdrawal benefit rider from a fixed index or variable annuity, I don't care. I just want to make sure they have enough guaranteed lifetime income to cover their basic living expenses in retirement. And, and we've seen why. People said, oh, I don't need annuity. I'll do rental properties. Yeah, how's that working out when renters don't have to pay rent and landlords can't evict them? Rental property isn't working. Then they mm -hmm. said, oh, I'll do laddered bonds. How do you do laddered bonds when the 10-year treasury is at 60 basis points? Then they said, oh, dividend-paying stocks. Hundreds of companies have slashed or eliminated their dividends. Then they say municipal bonds, tax-free bonds. Barron's just had an article that this corona is going to really wipe out a lot of these municipalities and they're going to have to default on their bonds. So they are not substitutes for guaranteed lifetime income. And I don't know why it's a secret. It shouldn't be a secret. It, all the research shows this is the optimal way to do it, but people just sometimes rebel against the optimal. There you go. And sometimes the counter revolution is the real revolution. And with millions of people that you've been able to touch and reach over the years, Tom, I hope some people have seen there. I'm, I'm certain that millions of people have had a better life as a result of your efforts. So thank you for the good work you've done. It pushing back the frontiers of ignorance and shining a light on an area that I think a lot of people have overlooked. Our grandparents, our great-grandparents very likely had this in their strategy, in their portfolio. So what did they know that we didn't uh, get taught? Tom, any other final words of wisdom or insights? What's the, I guess, what's if, if you couldn't leave your daughter or your kids or your future generations anything in the way of money and finance, but you could only leave them principles, strategies, ideas, proverbs of wisdom. What's something you could leave folks if, they, if you couldn't leave them cash? Pay yourself first. You work hard for a living. Why are you paying all these bills and then waiting until the end of the month? There's nothing left for you. I always paid myself first. You're worth it. And then diversify, invest wisely. And then when it comes to retirement, it's totally different than accumulating assets. And people don't realize that there's different risks. There's longevity risks. There's sequence of returns risks. And study retirement. I got a book, Don't Worry, Retire Happy. I got Paychecks and Playchecks. Those are two books that are meant for consumers. They can read it. And again, this is math and science, not opinions, but pay yourself first. Fantastic. Tom, thank you for all that you've done and look forward to seeing all the good things that you'll be doing in the years to come. Thank you, Mark. When you hear it straight from the horse's mouth, like we did with Tom Hegna today, really, it's hard to follow that up. He's such a wealth of knowledge and insight. I do have a few takeaways that I thought maybe would be valuable for you guys as we're wrapping up our episode. In general, he said, people have not saved enough. But now with COVID, some of the statistics are saying that savings has jumped up a lot, which is good. I think the whole thing that we could learn from COVID is that there needs to be an emergency fund of more than just three months of your living expenses. Really, it could be up to two years of an emergency fund that you might want to save up. And so those are some of the lessons I think we'll all learn from COVID is that there's a need for that emergency cash bucket. So that's the first takeaway I had. The second takeaway from Tom and his uh, wisdom was to 
quote, take a trial retirement. He almost just glossed right over that. But if you noticed, he said he took last summer off and did a trial retirement. He joined a country club in Flagstaff and he did a lot of golf almost every day. And he's going to do it again this year. I think it's really important to practice before you go all in. If you really think you're going to want to live the next 30 years of your life on a beach after you retire at age 65, well, maybe spend a couple of months on a beach just to see how it feels, more than a week or two, to really get that sense that you are in retirement. Try a pre-retirement or a mini-retirement before you go hog wild. That was my second takeaway. The next takeaway was that you're not getting any younger and you can't take it with you. So spend as much as you can today because you can't take it with you, but you're not getting any younger. So make sure that you have enough money to last you as long as you're going to live. You don't want to spend it all when you're 71 if you're going to make it to 91. So that's a key concept. And he believes, and I agree that annuities are a great way to solve those problems. You're not getting any younger and you can't take it with you. He did also mention that annuities are kind of like AAA security with triple C income and yield. And for those unfamiliar with that phrase, AAA means very safe or very good. And triple C means very lucrative and risky. So when it comes to annuities, you get the safety of the annuity with the income that you might find in a more risky investment. Now, how in the world can that possibly be? His answer was something called mortality credits. He said the insurance industry is the only industry where you can use mortality credits to benefit clients in a very low interest rate environment like we're living in right now. So let me explain here for a minute. Annuity guarantees are based off mortality tables, which basically estimate the life expectancy of people at every age. If you're 34 years old or 74 years old, they have a table for exactly how many 74-year-olds out of 10,000 are going to pass away this year. And that affects the income that you receive from an annuity. It also affects your death benefit off life insurance too. So that table is very important and actuaries do a very good job of doing the math on exactly what your mortality risk is, no matter how old you are. Since some people die sooner than that mortality table and some die far older than that table suggests, insurance companies are able to hedge their risk with something called mortality credits. Now, mortality credits are created when people die sooner than expected and don't receive as many income payments as they would have had they lived to their full life expectancy. So that poor soul who passed away in their early 60s, the lump sum that they didn't spend goes into a pool and then pays income to the people who live far longer than their life expectancy suggested. That's how a straight life annuity can pay six grand a year off a hundred grand of investment in a zero interest rate environment while bonds on the same numbers, if you put $100,000 into a bond, you might only receive 1200 to 2000 bucks a year off that same money. So which of those two income streams would you rather have? 2000 bucks a year or 6000 bucks a year? I think the money is the same. It's the mortality credits that make all the difference. Let me give you a fun example as we wrap up our episode. Let's say a client uh, comes into my office and has $200,000 sitting in a CD at a bank earning 0.2%, which is pretty common. That's paying that person about 400 bucks per year. If you took $100,000 out of the 200,000 to buy a straight life annuity, that'll pay a 65-year-old around 6,000 bucks per year guaranteed for the rest of their life. 
Now, some people uh, object to that because, hey, if you die after one payment, that insurance company will keep the remainder of that 100,000 bucks. So what I would do in that case is take the other 100,000. Remember, we gave 100,000 into an annuity. Let's put the other 100,000 out of the total 200,000 that was sitting at the CD, put 100,000 bucks into a whole life policy. That whole life policy will buy a $200,000 death benefit day one. If the client only gets one payment of that $6,000 from the annuity, the life insurance would still pay 200,000 bucks to the family income tax-free. But let's say the client lived for another 30 years and they received six times 30, that's 180,000 bucks for the 100,000 bucks they put into the annuity. Wow, and that's in a zero interest rate environment. The life insurance also is gonna grow untouched for 30 years and that death benefit, let's say, would grow to 300,000 bucks. So the client gave me $200,000 and over his lifetime, he got back $180,000 from the annuity and 300 from the death benefit off the life insurance. That's $480,000 essentially income tax-free, again, in a zero interest rate environment. Even if that's all there was, the client would be absolutely motivated to get started right away. But that's not all there is. In addition to that, all that money would not go through probate if the client had named some beneficiaries. In addition to that, it's also incontestable and private. So it's all off the radar of uh, public probate courts. The client also would be able to control the asset from the grave, telling who and whom gets those lump sums and beneficiaries. Also, it's creditor and predator protected, and it has Medicaid versatility. Also, the client can convert that lump sum of cash value into a second income stream to turn it into two annuities so they don't have to spend down to qualify for Medicare. Every time clients look at this and learn about this, they wonder why in the world they weren't already doing what I just described. So it's your time. Now you know the examples that Tom shared and this example here it's an absolutely incredible strategy. And why we don't know more about this, I think only Wall Street is to blame. So let's make sure that you know what's not so average in a world that's gone insane. So as we wrap up our episode, remember guys, we only have a, uh, two more weeks to receive applications if you want to work with us. This is a moment that may not happen again for at least a very long time. We are hiring, bringing on additional financial planning associates to join our team. So this is a moment where you can set up a business for yourself, but not by yourself. If you want to control and find the reward in reaching and serving your clients around the world, if you want to be introduced to people who are desperate to find these not-so-average financial strategies, I need your help. We've got more people reaching out to us than I can talk to. And we've had several other advisors that have gone through our training and have absolutely found a very successful, rewarding career. So if you want to be a part of this revolution, reach out to us by using the link in the show notes or just go to bit.ly slash work LG. That's bit.ly slash work LG and absolutely apply before the end of November. We need to get these applications from you before December 1st. So reach out to us at bit.ly slash work LG. Thank you guys. And I want to give you also a quick heads up. We have an upcoming live event on December 1st. That's Tuesday, December 1st at 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central. We're going to be doing a savings smackdown. Is it better to spend the money now or to save for the future? We've got a lot of expenses that are happening right now. Those kids, man, braces come quick. 
and college is coming down the pipe. So what do you do when you've got to choose? And we've got Team Save Now and Team Save Later, and it's going to be a ton of fun. We're going to have live Q&A. So come and join us. You can find the registration link in the show notes. It's December 1st, Tuesday, 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central. Take a break from all those Zoom meetings you're on and just enjoy this live call. So guys, thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. This has been another episode of the Not Your Average Financial Podcast. To join a financial revolution and start thinking different about money, go to www.nyafinancialpodcast.com and click Request a Meeting. The topics presented in this podcast are for general information only and not for the purposes of providing legal, accounting, or investment advice. On such matters, please consult a professional who knows your specific situation.